Hello, I'm Jen Long and you are listening to Talk The Line. This is the podcast where we talk to a musician generally about something that they are sometimes secretly, sometimes not so secretly passionate about. In a nutshell, a musician talks about something they love. The only thing is we can't have covered it before and it can't be about their career. You know, it's not like a conversation about how they recorded their new album because they have a secret passion for guitar pedals or anything like that. We're talking a little bit more out the box. We upload a new episode every Friday. All our previous episodes are at talktheline.blog. We've done recent chats with Emily from The Staves about fantasy fiction, Raquel from Dreamwife about Icelandic storytelling, and Marika Hackman talking about condiments. You can follow us on social media at talktheline. You can follow me at Jen Long. And if you want to make our date, please subscribe to this podcast. It just means it will download to your phone or wherever else you listen to them every single Friday, no trouble. Fred McPherson was already a mainstay of the East London indie scene before forming Spectre in 2011. Fred had fronted bands Leon Competence and Ox Eagle Lion Man, respectively, during the mid-noughties. Spectre played their first show at FA Snooker Club in East London, and the hype around the group rose quickly, resulting in them signing with Fiction Records, the home of The Cure, and scoring a nomination for BBC's Sound of 2012 poll. Dropping their debut record, Enjoy It While It Lasts, that same year, the London-based indie outfit were hailed with critical acclaim for the LP's irresistible songwriting and witty wordplay. In fact, if there's one word to describe Fred, it is probably that. They followed this up with their second album, Moth Boys, and some shows at Moth Club, and this month they return with their first new music in three years. I love talking to Fred. You never really know where the conversation's going to go, what tangents he's going to take you off on, how long it's going to take to edit, or how many times he's going to embarrass me. So we caught up with Fred to talk about one of his passions, Pizza Express, yes, actual Pizza Express, in a Pizza Express in Shoreditch at 6pm on a Monday. Take it away, Fred. When was the last time you were at Pizza Express? I don't, I don't know. Maybe... um. Maybe for like a work meeting, maybe five years ago, something like wow. that. It was one up the road from Radio 1. Good times. Mm, great times. There's always one up the road from everywhere. There are a lot of Pizza Expresses. When was your last Pizza Express? It was actually the week before last because I was am doing vegetarian January or was trying to. I might actually break it for tonight. I was doing Live. vegan January, but I might break it for tonight. There you go. So we're both <laughs> breaking it. But <laughs> I was walking around central London with a friend of mine, and it, it was someone who's equally awkward about being prescriptive with restaurant choices, mm-hmm. which might be something we touch on later. Or oh, not just restaurant choices, meeting places, full stop. You know when someone says, let's meet at six, you're like, sure. They say, where? And suddenly the very idea of suggesting a place fills you with anxiety. And I'm not a very anxious person usually, but I hate the idea that you're pushing an opinion on someone. Right, okay. So if you went for the kind of vegan cafe, then you're pushing your veganism. If you went for the like cottage industry mom and pop type little cafe, or if you went for the big Starbucks, there's always an ideology. And then a judgment call a, a judgment from the other person based on your choice um even subconsciously even if they say yeah i'll happily meet you at 
Angus Steakhouse or... I just did it then. There you go. I just judged you. It's, it, you it brings with it all the baggage that has come with every previous visit to that place. <laughs> I don't think often subconsciously, which is one of the things that I find so fascinating about Pizza Express. So what baggage comes with Pizza Express? If someone says, let's go for a Pizza Express, what pops into your head? What's your judgment call? Well, I think it's kind of what it's achieved and what makes it such a kind of reliable option is the, is basically the, um, not the gold standard, but almost like the zero standard for uh, chain restaurants, British <laughs> restaurants. The zero standard. Well, can you name, not that it has zero standards, but I mean like it's the magnetic north of the high street. You say it's so basic, it just kind of blends. Well, I was struggling to think, is there a chain that... Is there an existing restaurant chain in the UK that predates it? I'm sure it's not the oldest because then it would say, you know, England's oldest restaurant chain. And yet, 1965. I don't know. I don't know enough about other existing restaurant chains. And McDonald's, that counts? That fast food? Fast food doesn't... It's not the same, is it? But also it's not British. It's American. Of course, because Pizza Express is actually British. Yes. What about um, Little Chef? Little Chef is probably, I, I imagine it probably is something like Little Chef. What you need is someone on hand to Google these things as they come someone up. Someone who likes to pipe in in podcasts. Exactly. But for that, what, what's, I mean, in my, I wanted to do a little bit of research in advance of this because although I'm a fan, but not in a fan in the way that like I'm a big fan, I can't wait for my next meal here, but more that I find it completely acceptable and... Um, what's the word when something is the same as it was last time? Yes. Oh, there you go. Little Chef is a chain of 1958. Little Chef will be out of business within the next decade, I believe. I'm I don't bit, know. I'm surprised it's continued. To You've this. been on tour. You've seen the number of Little Chefs there are by the motorway. There are, but there's far fewer than there was. This is true. Do you remember somewhere called Happy Eater? No, I don't remember Happy Eater. That was, like, I, I remember it from the 90s, but I think it was already on the way out. That was another roadside services, which is interesting you bring that up because Welcome Break has recently, I think as of last year, brought Pizza Express on board as one of its services clients. Really? That's surprising. But it is surprising and also doubly surprising because every other pizza chain that they've attempted to implement on the motorways and there was there was one called Domino's to go um they tried Papa John's and I think Pizza Hut as I was well say and Pizza all Hut. three failed the other interesting thing thinking about Pizza Hut is that I'm sure you remember growing up as well I'm sure your listeners Pizza Hut was somewhere you'd go and sit down and maybe have the buffet all you can eat. All you can eat. I mean, that was a challenge. That was like a, I'm 13, 14, can't quite get served alcohol yeah. yet. I'm going to eat so much pizza, I'm sick. Yeah, exactly. I was once with a guy at school who had 25 slices <laughs> no. in one sitting. <laughs> what was his name? Uh, Nixon DeShenta. <laughs> so, shout out if you're listening. Well, me and him, I, I used to be quite a rotund 
uh, child, probably talking nine years old, you know, before the growth spurt, after your initial growth until mm-hmm. your next one. So probably age eight, nine to 14, I was probably double the width I am now, double the depth, but don't know which. Um, Deep dish. Yeah, and we, him and I once had a crisp eating competition in the, uh, in the playground when McCoy's used to be 50 grams a pack. God. Now there's something about 35. They still seem big. Mm. So this was two packs of the flame-grilled McCoys in a row. And it was just who got to the end of the second pack first. But we both made the mistake of rushing the first pack. And I don't know if you've ever tried to eat crisps at speed. But if you're forcing them into your mouth, take up so much space and they're so salty. That actually, by the time you're a third of the way through the pack, you just can't get any more in because your mouth can't produce enough saliva yeah. and I've always actually had a problem with excess saliva I salivate when I'm kind of vaguely I don't want to say excited like one below excited one above interest. You, you are the human Pavlov's dog and e- yeah and even then you know at the height of this it's forcing these crisps in it was just drier than the Sahara in my mouth and I started dry retching like the taste of <laughs> flame grilled I don't know what the taste is because they're called oh no flame grilled steak I don't want to confuse it with the... I was thinking this week about the temperature, how some crisp flavors just settle for a temperature rather than a meat or vegetable. So you've got cool original or flaming hot, which aren't flavors rather than temperatures. Well, we've actually been discussing in previous podcasts the fact that we need a whole podcast on crisp flavors. So if you know anyone for the job... For Christmas, why don't you do a roundtable discussion on crisps because I could <laughs> definitely throw my two pennies worth in. <laughs> but anyway, back to Pizza Hut. Yeah. I remember that, you know, when it could still afford TV advertising, let's hit the hut. That was the that was the tagline. Um, there's now fewer than 10 sit-down Pizza Huts in London. No. There used to be one in, in every town. Think, yeah. uh, think about it now. When was the last time you sat down and had a Pizza Hut? Excluding a Thought Park. I, had, I don't think I've been to Pizza Hut in probably since those heady days of school. Well, there you go. Oh You've been contributing goodness. to its downfall. Thank you very much. She's got some dough balls. So this is 16 with three different dips there. And just for you. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your usual starter when you come to Pizza Express? No, I've always felt... I, I love dough balls as a, con- a concept and I always enjoy like the first one. It always burns my fingers as it is now. Mm. But as a starter, it does seem odd just a kind of a ball of bread. And yet, there's something with the dough in a Pizza Express that is quite unlike any other pizza dough to the extent that you can just enjoy it as a bowl. And I've, I've spent many a kind of Monday evening alone trying to get my home oven hot enough to cook the Sainsbury's home dough balls at the heat required to get this sort of um, crispiness and heat. And it's nigh on impossible unless you've got an oven that goes. So, like crispy on the outside and fluffy in the middle. 500 degrees. Exactly. This is actually a perfect 500 example. 500 degrees? Not unless you had an oven. I mean, what do you um, think their oven is? I don't know. Is it, what? Is it like. Um, you know, you get those fancy sourdough pizza restaurants now and they have the yeah. the stone oven and they put it in on the um, flat wooden panel 
stick thing. Is that, do you think they do that here? Can you see the kitchen? We can't see the kitchen from That's where we're sitting. One of the actual design tropes of all Pizza Expresses, there it is, on the other side, is a open kitchen. I think there's three kind of, um, what's the word? Continual, I want to say talisman, but that's completely wrong. Like <laughs> recurring features. What's the word for that? Fixtures. Fixtures. So of the design. Uh-huh. One is an open oven. Oven, open kitchen that's always visible to the customer. So you can see them kind of flipping the dough around in a circle with one hand yeah. and sticking it in the oven or throwing Doing their thing. toppings here and there. The other is marble top tables, which you don't have at this one, but they've got them up there at the bar in the entrance. And the other is natural resources, like wood, brick, right, okay. clay. And I think that the marble came from the fact that I'm sure you've read in your research about Peter Boisot. I have, yes. Yeah. So he's the founder. He's the founder. He's the founder, but he's not the... I think to call him the inventor would be a bit OTT. He was someone, you know, probably much like you or I, who enjoy food, but don't necessarily know some of the secrets it brings with it. I don't know if you're a good chef. No, not really. Yeah. Um, my girlfriend passive-aggressively bought me the Mildred's cookbook for Christmas. I think with a kind of view of, you know... You've got nothing going on in your life. The least you could do is try and engage with some of the basic tenets of human existence. Like, Are you actually cooking. vegetarian? No, just for this month. I'd like to be. So that was quite a backhanded Christmas present, really, wasn't it? Well, we'd was, been, You're we'd not quite safe to do meat yet. <laughs> That's but with thing. vegetables, you might not poison anyone. There's been a few issues in the past with you know cutting up raw meat with the same knife that I'll later used to put some Nutella on it <laughs> or cross barn or something which has caused issues as you can imagine but um, it's funny Peter Boisot was a vegetarian was he? in 1965? He, well he, he's I think 88 or 89 so th that means he was born in what the 20s? yeah he was vegetarian since he was 5 years old when his mother said we're going to Scotland, and while we're there, we're going to eat some beef. And his response was, I'm not going to eat it. I don't want to eat a cow. And he was vegetarian since five years old. So he went through, has gone through, he's still the, the president of Pizza Express, despite not having a share in the business. 50 years, he's never tried the American hot. So I might be eating tonight. Wow. He's never tried the Polo Ad Astra, which is um, Andy Murray's favorite, supposedly. How do you know that? Because <laughs> there's an Andy Murray fan site called something like Murray's World that lists all his favorite things. Two of his favorite musicians, which I wouldn't have expected, Eminem and 50 Cent. I don't Would know if this... No, yeah. yeah. No, actually, yeah. I'd have thought maybe the, some Scottish... Bell and Sebastian. No, Indeed. no. Um, he looks like a chart rap man. 
Yeah, but maybe this wasn't very up to date. Perhaps, yeah. Like based on not very up to date interviews. Think it was though. Yeah, and so supposedly in the early days of Wimbledon, when he went as a teenager, he would stay in a basement flat around the corner from the All England with his mum, his brother, and his girlfriend. Not all in the same bed, I'm assuming, but <laughs> you never know with these big Scottish families. I'm joking. I'm Scottish. For any listeners at home, worried, <laughs> <coughs> worried about my smiting of the Scotch there. Um, and they would go and eat um, at Pizza Express on the way, at the Wimbledon Pizza Express. And he claims that he ate a Pizza Express before some of his biggest matches with international players age you know, 20, 21. The closest I've come is eating at, you know, at Pizza Express in Manchester 20 minutes before stage time. See, that's the thing. Some, you, you've obviously had to eat before doing something that requires a certain element of physical activity. That's a good way and of putting it. A certain think, element. A certain element. I can't think of anything worse than eating a big stodgy meal like an hour before having to run non-stop around a court for whatever period of time. I couldn't imagine. That sounds crazy. It's hard. I, I, one thing I've learned from being my time as a musician is to not attempt a kind of Toby Carvery before a 55-minute gig because you'll soon find your body trying to choose between the performance and the digestion and often the latter sadly wins and you're left not being able to hit the high notes or the low notes. (laughs) (laughs) The meat sweats. I've seen people be sick on stage. There you go. Because well, they ate, you know because they ate too, too close to stage time. People think it's, it's the drugs and the booze that gets you, but it's not. It's Pizza Express. It's Pizza Express and the Toby Carvery. <laughs> but, so where were we? 1965. He's been on what sounds like a bit of a jolly around Europe. Comes back to London and realises there's nowhere you can get Good pizza. I asked my parents about this. So what's your earliest memory? My dad said there were these kind of... What would you describe that as? A bit smaller than seven inches, a bit bigger than a CD. Yeah. These, di- you know, discs of kind of hard dough with basic cheese and tomato that were sold at supermarkets that you would buy and would taste like a kind of glorified... Like Sainsbury's Basic. Basically like a Sainsbury's Basic. And I imagine, given that flavor of today's Sainsbury's Basic, God knows what Sainsbury's Basic in 1961 was like. It probably tasted like licking <laughs> polystyrene or something. Um, <laughs> so that was all they had. And there were, there were places that sold greasy slices on greaseproof paper. And in fact, on Wardour Street, which was the first Pizza Express, he bought the premises that was a, a place selling slices. The one just by Ch- Chinatown. Of an Italian, of a film director, I think, for fourteen thousand pounds, and he said, "I'm gonna do pizza the way the Italians do, or the Neapolitans do, because I think it was their invention." And he bought the premises and met a guy in Italy who he said, "You know, we need the pizza oven, the the real real deal um, to cook pizzas properly." They brought the oven over and couldn't get it in the restaurant because it was too big for the door, as you can imagine. Um, they had to remove 
the wall and get the pizza oven in, which chimed with me because recently my grandmother died um, and she had a grand piano in her house and throughout her life, and she also lived in, in Wimbledon, that's <laughs> disconnected, but around the corner from where you know Andy Murray had those polo ad astras before the big matches. <laughs> I'd always thought in the back of my mind, maybe un- if her unfortunate passing ever occurs, I can take this grand piano off her hands. 20 years on, not only does no one in my family have a single room that could fit a grand piano in, but we realized that the only way they'd got it in was by winching it up on a crane and removing the window to get it in. Right. So yeah. the price of getting it out would be more than it's worth. So really? we're now having to pay someone to hack it up with, well, what I picture in my mind is a kind of tomahawk, but I imagine we'll probably be more like a kind of sensible saw. Um, because there's no, it would be really foolish. It would cost so much to get it out there, then we'd have nowhere to put it. So this grand piano has been destroyed, and, the, and and so I picture that, and I picture them removing this wall, Wardour Street, 1965, the swinging 60s. It's all kicking off. I'm just about managing to get this oven in, and so Peter Boyzot says to his business partner, who's a bit of an unsung character in the Peter Express history. Mario, I want to say Mario Molino. Might fact check that name later. Okay. Um, he says, "Well, we'll do pizza by the slice. That's you know, that's what everyone wants." And then he says, "No, we've got to do round pizzas." They started 9.5 inches, probably a bit smaller than that plate. Again, somewhere between a seven inch and a 12 inch for the all your music fans listening at home. Um, and they had a big panel of marble, which they f- found in some scaffolding poles. Two tables, that was it. Two tables and the oven. And that's how it started. But it was this guy Mario's recipe and the dough recipe, which was the important thing. So was it just that everyone up to that point was cooking pizzas in regular ovens? In the sort of ovens that you and I might have at home now, and they, that's the reason they couldn't get the dough. It was, like but there the also here. just weren't many Italians making pizza in England. The, you know, the right. It was a gap in the market. There was just sort of odd greasy slice. Odd greasy slice, and I think you've got to picture London in the '60s, and I can only ever think of it from that like intro sequence of Austin Powers. It's all that's like in my head right now. Everyone dancing in the street. But in, in, a, in a way, you imagine the Beatles coming out and you could imagine the Pizza Express is a bit like a kind of... I can imagine it feeling quite cosmopolitan. It's quite cosmopolitan. I was going to say like an allegory for the Beatles' career, but I thought that might be a bit of an overstatement. <laughs> but the two things grew ex- exponentially. But everyone went, went mad for it. And so at this point, they just got this one restaurant... He meets a designer called Enzo Apicella, or Apicella, I imagine. And they, he says to him, I want you to design my restaurant. Mario Molino was the name, I just checked. I want you to design a restaurant for me, but I've got no money. And... 
he says, ha ha, I'm not going to design a restaurant for you without any money. Um, so he goes, gets the first pizza express off the ground and goes back to him a few months later and says, you know, I've got my restaurant. How about designing it now? I'll pay you. I've got the money now. And this guy, Enzo, says, no, I don't want your money. I want you to throw me a big party. Um, and then I'll design it for you. And this is the sort of weird logic <laughs> that I imagine how the 60s worked. And if, yeah. if only the world was like that now. So he says, okay, I'll throw you a big party. And I don't know if it's before or after the second Pizza Express gets built, which is on Coptic Street, just by the British Museum. Um, and they invite all these people, and it's like all the kind of 60s faces you could imagine. David Bailey, Peter Blake. They all have a great time, and this guy Enzo is so impressed by the calibre of guests at the party that he then says, all right, I'll design your restaurant for you. Designs the second one on Coptic Street. Load of paintings, probably the sort that inspired this kind of thing. Um, the marble bases, the open kitchen. It's their first big restaurant. Mm-hmm. And from there, it really starts kicking up. And so... What about the music element, though? Because didn't Wardour Street, didn't they also have a jazz kind of club? Was that in the restaurant or downstairs? Or was it Dean Street, the Dean Street one that, that had a jazz? Fir- that was the first fully jazz one. Because that's it- something they still do today, which I had no idea about. Did you about. not know that? Did not know that, no. You can go for a night out. My biggest fear and simultaneous hope is that my career will end probably in the next three to six months. <laughs> On one of these stages. I don't know if you read about Steve Brookstein, the former X Factor winner. I didn't read about him lately. Well, I mean, both the story and the win, I'm talking about going back years. But I think around the time, I want to say Leon, someone called Leon won. God, I don't, I'm, um, I'm really bad at this. He had a kind of bitter meltdown on stage at the Maidstone oh, <laughs> Pizza <no>. Express, <laughs> which was then in the press described as happening at a pizza parlour but it made it sound like he'd been doing this interview with a pizza parlour which was then enraged him even further so he had got like had a big rant on Twitter or tried to sue them and said you know A I was saying this on stage at a gig B it wasn't a pizza parlour it was Pizza Express Jazz Club in Maidstone I'm not a fan of jazz and I imagine if I was a fan of jazz, I wouldn't seek jazz out at Pizza Express, despite some of the, um, you know, names over the years who've performed. Really surprisingly high-caliber names. Yeah. Yeah. The late great Amy Winehouse, for one. Nora Jones. Nora Jones. Jamie Cullum. I mean, I'm such a jazz. My knowledge of jazz basically, you know, begins and ends with <laughs> Jamie Cullum and Nora Jones. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm out of names now. I, but, you know, you name it. I love that we've managed to pick the only three white jazz artists in our full knowledge there. But maybe that's more Peter Express's fault. <laughs> Kidding, if you're listening to this. Um, he was a lifelong fan of jazz. To full disclosure, there's a biography of his life, autobiography. Mr. Pizza and all that jazz. By Peter Boyzot. So good. But I haven't read it. So I'm, I imagine anyone who's listening can just turn off now because <laughs> anyone, who listens, anyone who's listening who has read it can turn no, off No, don't now. turn off now. I feel like we can 
Because I feel like there's so much other than the history of Pizza Express mm. that we need to delve into on this podcast. We don't want to get weighed down in its history. I think its history can, as we speak, it can bubble up. Like, like I think it's surprising for people to know how old it is, how long it's been around. Um, we'll get into some of the business nitty-gritty later. To me, it's a John Peel quote that really sums it up for me. Always different, always the same. Which, and that's a quote about the fall by John Peel, but I think it completely applies to Pizza Express, or at least my experience of it. In your experience of Pizza Express, then, the, the dough balls have gone now, but what would be your... Would you do a starter? Do you just come in straight onto the pizza? I let, another, I let the, the person I'm with decide. If my, if my family were here, they'd probably get some sort of garlic bread. I've always found it a bit OTT to have a bread-based starter followed by a bread-based main. Maybe if, so, if there was like a salad or something. Roasted tomatoes. Yeah, just something it's a bit nice. lighter. I don't think, I wouldn't choose the dobles, but someone else would. Some marinated olives and a glass of uh, Pinot Grigio. That might be nice. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, it really, that's what I was like saying earlier about the experiences there. They all just meld into one. Um, do you want to order anything? I think I'll have a main, yeah. Yeah? Okay. I mean, are you not going to? I just realised I was looking at like the, the beginning bits, not the actual starters. There's quite actually quite a lot of starters, isn't there? A lot of non-bread-based starters. There is. There's Caesar salad, calamari. And you know the difference, I'm sure, between a Romana and classic base. The no, uh, what, sorry? A Romana and classic base. No, I don't. Right, sorry. Romana was something that was added a few years back that's basically a... Old, and I quote, bigger, thinner, crispier base, inspired by pizzas from Rome. Right, okay. And there was actually a conspiracy theory that they, the company was using the thinner base as an excuse to actually have the same amount of dough but charge two to three pounds more per pizza. Because right. it's basically like a pizza has been stretched out. Okay, so even though it's bigger, it's the same amount of dough. But you get more topping, surely. It's thinner, that's what I thought. The surface area is mm. bigger. And so, yeah. But then, okay. Oh, hello. Could I order an American hot? Um, or a uh, thinner base. Romana, please. What? I might get a Lagara. Where do you stand on that? You know that has a hole in the middle. It's a salad. Well, that's, yeah. Because sometimes, you know, when you get a whole pizza, sometimes you don't really want a whole pizza whenever i go out for dinner with my girlfriend and we have pizza we get like one pizza and then one salad yeah. and then we split it it's a good idea it's not maybe not the value choice but it's well, what would you recommend as a vegetarian i get from this menu because i was going gonna go for this um lagara padana that's um that's that'd be nice yeah if you like goat's cheese i do like goat's cheese well then yeah go well, is, there, is there anything else though that you the, the, what, what, the, what, what did you be the Giardinera, which I think is Italian for garden? This one with the artichokes and the... Ooh. That one's quite vegetable-y. Oh, so it's not got any cheese on it? No. So, yeah. You choose. I'm, no, I think I'm going to have to have the... I get the Ligara Padana, please. Thanks. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I think it's Ligera or, or Ligera, maybe. Ligera. 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 Thank you. We'll just keep one menu if yeah, that's okay. Right. So that's that's a new addition. That's a recent addition. It's a pizza with a hole in its middle, like a kind of black hole that's sucking out all the pizza into non-existence and replaced with 
a generally, I didn't want to say in front of the waiter, vaguely, dis slightly disappointing pile of salad. You may disagree. Someone who loved it enough to help launch it was Sophie Ellis Bexter, who no. fronted the Legera um, campaign on its release in, I want to say, 2012, 2013. How do you remember that? Was she on TV adverts? I don't or was, know it if it was Did you get TV invited to a press party? Because interestingly, during Peter Boyzett's tenure as, you know, the head honcho, which is, I'm talking 1965 to 1993, he was against TV advertising or anything that maybe seemed a bit... Lowbrow? Well, not lowbrow per se, but maybe a bit like loose or keen it would probably be the equivalent of doing a sponsored Instagram post now or being like thank you at Levi's for my jacket I love it so much maybe he was just keen to keep it as a bit of word of something mouth for the heads which leads on to this fact which might surprise you without wanting to get too much back into the history of it in 1993 when there was a takeover there were only 12 Pizza Expresses in the whole country. How mad is that? Um, mostly in London or mostly do you not know in the concentration? London. I, th I don't know what the ones outside of London, how many outside of London, but less, thank you, less than, yeah, 12. By the end of the 90s, something like a couple hundred. Because they had like a rapid, they franchised it. Is that around the time they, they franchised, franchised it? But then they bought more back. A couple of venture capitalists right. took over. And unfortunately, I think they did what um, Peter Boyzett couldn't quite manage, which was to turn it into a national success. And they start, I think they started by franchising them, then they bought back the franchises. And then there's been multiple. Because they weren't quite meeting the standards of... I don't know, actually. Pizza Express has always been a, a recurring theme in our house because my dad's been has always been obsessed with Tesco Club Card points yeah. and collecting them um, to the point where most of a lot of our meals growing up were dictated by whatever was giving a double offer on points at the time. So completely arbitrary ingredients mm -hmm. or oven meals that the only explanation that we realized later was for him to get another couple of hundred of these points and the points that he saved even though you can get quite good things like air miles or you know trips away he would put all into these vouchers that you know you know when you get a tesco voucher through your door and they say you've spent a hundred quid so we're giving you a one pound voucher yeah you can convert that or could into a restaurant voucher time four times its value so for every one pound tesco voucher you got you could turn it into a four pounds restaurant voucher but then you could only spend the voucher once you'd made up up to 10 pounds or more so you'd have to make at least two pounds 50 to turn it into 10 pounds worth these vouchers could only be used at pizza express cafe rouge zz's potentially ask and I'm only pronouncing it that way because that's how I've heard people pronounce it rather than ask or ASK and then we would just he would do things like drive 
two miles out the way to go to a Tesco petrol station rather than normal petrol station so we could top up on these points. I think at some point he managed to maybe put a mortgage through on a Tesco credit card or something no. insane. <laughs> which basically meant we were then eating with these restaurant vouchers um, for just whenever, to the extent that my mum threatened him and said, you know, if you make us go to these, one of these restaurants, I mean, talk about first world problems, but you make <laughs> us go to these, one of these restaurants one more time and... So I mean, it almost ruined the restaurant experience for us because he made the good point that if we could eat for free, drinks excluded, so it was a tap water situation. If we could eat for free using these vouchers, why would we eat anywhere else? And so for a long time, we just got into this rhythm of these same restaurants, which I later found out all tasted the same because they were all owned by the same people. We would go to any of them and the pizzas would taste the same. We went to ZZ's on Christmas Eve, <laughs> three or four years in a row. So do you think they all taste the same as Pizza Express, though? I think Pizza Express truly is or was the template on which, you know, the, most of the pizza of our lifetime in the UK was built. Yeah. And only recently, much like so many other things, there's been a bit of a response to that by people coming and, you know, and saying, oh, well, you have your... You're used to pizza like this, but actually it should be like this. Actually, it should be in this oven or be sourdough. Where or blah, do you blah, stand blah, on blah. the sourdough? Because that feels like that's been the new, new lease of life in pizza restaurants over the past like five years. There's so many in East London now. You've there got is. Yard Sale, Frankamanka. I went to a Frankamanka at Reading Festival. There you go. You've got Yard... What's the name? I live next crate? to Yard Sale in Clapton. Crate. I mean... Full disclosure, I don't Sodo. really like food, full stop. So <laughs> choosing between, I mean, I eat it because I have to eat it because we've got to stay alive. And You're not a foodie. I'm not a foodie I, and I loathe the term and the type of person that would self-describe as a foodie. Have not you ever posted a picture of your breakfast on Instagram? I think... Pro, there was pro, I think a time when we played in Russia and there was something crawling across my breakfast and maybe <laughs> I shared that picture it's not to say that that's anything to do with it being in Russia I made that abundantly clear um, I don't post pictures of food maybe uh, ironically but mm -hmm. sometimes I take pictures of food when I'm having a meal with someone and there's so little to talk about that you can kind of feign interest in the food to make up for the lack of conversation <laughs> so I think I've done that I don't think I've gone through with posting it it's it's kind of my third favourite Instagram genre I think after Insta couple like you know <laughs> yes. date night with this one or like ooh naughty <laughs> cocktails at six like or We've just done Tough Mudder together. Here are our medals. Yeah. That's like an immediate unfollow. <laughs> Second least favourite is moves away from London or another big city, has a child and wistfully looks back on the good times. Like, ooh, just stumbled across this box of NMEs. Here's a picture of my radar feature from 2009. It's like, you didn't stumble across that. You know exactly where it is. It's like bored out your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Your stupid child that you've walked across 
gone through copies of old Fly magazine and magically found the picture of your gig listing that no one came to and posted a picture and be like, oh, what were we like? <laughs> and there's, I found more and more. That will be me soon. Oh, yes. Lovely. Oh, the Romana's mine, actually. Is that, is that yours? Oh, great. Thank you. Oh, wow, that's big. That is big. I would pay extra for that. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Today I am. The, the other thing I like about Pizza Express is the smell. It's a bit like Subway. It's got a distinct smell regardless of what you order. Mm-hmm. That smells really good, actually. And a st- kind of I'll making me want to eat pepperoni. A story I'll tell you after I've eaten is uh, um, about when we went to China. We'd had a gig in China in September. And recently, I think 2014, I want to say, a Chinese firm bought Pizza Express from the Gondola Group, which was the one that had merged it with Ask and Zizi and kind of made this super conglomerate of high street restaurants that's where it started to get a bit boring. This Chinese firm bought it with a view to move, to start opening them in China. Bought the brand for 900 million. Peter Boyzak, when he sold it in 93, I think got about 40 million. Oh. 12 restaurants. That showed you where the kind of glass ceiling where he could get it up to. By the time that the Gondola Group were done with it, 900 million. Wow. And now they're opening all over China. And after I've... Could we have some garlic butter as well, please? Just on the side. Um, When I've eaten this, when I've eaten a bit of it, I'll tell you the story of um, what led us to eating Pizza Express in China. Do you want a break while you eat? Well, unless I hold this mic like between my legs and eat it really low, I think I might struggle. Should One thing it? I would say is, yeah. is ordering a little garlic butter on the side. It's free, and you, then you, when you get down to your crusts, you just dip in the crusts. Oh, that is a pro tip. And you can all spread it on the crust, save money on garlic bread. I start, with the, I, I start toppings outwards. So I eat knife and fork, eat the toppings, because I think if I'm going to get full, I don't want to get full on crusts. Wait, hang on. So, but you, do you cut it? I cut it, but then I cut it into slices, but then eat it with knife and fork, so that I'm kind of moving outwards up. Yeah. You know. So you stop eating at the crust. Stop eating the crust. And you leave like a pile of crust. Because my feeling is, if I eat the crust, I might get full by the time I'm there, mm-hmm. when I could have eaten. I could have eaten the toppings. Best to fill up on the toppings, then if you have room, eat the crusts, and that's where the guide butter okay. comes in. Okay. Right, I'm going to go for it. All right. Have you been defeated by the pizza? I'm just having a little. Um, moment during dinner conversation turned to politics as it always does in these heady times Fred McPherson would you ever run for office well it's funny you say that because who could forget Peter Boyzat founder of Pizza Express running as a Lib Dem candidate (laughs) twice in the 90s and sadly not not making it. In what borough? I'm not sure, but he was, he was known as Mr. Peterborough, where he lived, so I'm not imagining that. Mr. Peterborough? That. No, that would make would much so more good. sense. <laughs> he, he was also the owner of Peterborough United football team. No. I'm no sports fan. But if that, mean, that team means anything to you, 
or your listeners? Well, just a, it's a football team in Peterborough, I'm assuming. But he was a Lib Dem, and I think on the, ni- the 97 elections, he really kind of... That was New a, Labour era, yeah, wasn't it? But a big Oof. had a big Lib Dem thing going on, so probably not a great time to be Peter... Mm. Boy, is that? God, is that? I'm worried I'm forgetting his name now. Let's call him Mr. Peterborough. He also, when he did the deal with the guys he sold to in the early 90s, gave them one condition, was that there wouldn't be allowed to be a Pizza Express in Peterborough. Because he didn't want to kind of... Walk down the high street and see the ghost of his past. I don't know why. It seemed past. like an odd thing. I think maybe he liked to separate business from pleasure. But that was, which is vaguely ironic, because when one finally did open in, I think, 2007, it was the site of the Girls Pizza Express review for the local newspaper that went viral. I don't remember that. Do you remember, not no. remember that? Basically, this girl wrote a really, I think she was a student, and wrote a really endearing, straight-faced Pizza Express review in kind of 20, a couple of years ago, 2015 or something, and she'd never been to one, so I was writing about it as if I went to check out this restaurant and this is what it was like, and it was so funny to (laughs) see someone writing about Pizza Express such a wide-eyed way as if they'd never been. (coughs) This review went viral, and um, Pizza Express ended up getting behind it as well and, and thanking her and... Can you, can you find it? Can you read out? Should I read out, out there? I think she had an American hot, actually. See which bits you um, empathise with. Yeah, let's... By Holly Aston for the Peterborough Today. Pizza Express has been based in Cathedral Square for a fair few years, and though I've walked past it close to 100 times, I've never ventured in. Until now. The chain is seemingly forever offering special prices to the people on their mailing list. True. So it's well worthwhile signing up to. On this occasion, my mum and I used the two courses for £10 deal, a handy offer when the average price for Maine is around that price, so you're essentially getting a starter or dessert free. We decided to go down the sharing route, meaning I had the deal with the starter in Maine, and my mum had a Maine and dessert. Life hack. For the starter, we ordered garlic bread with mozzarella, and we were delighted when it arrived. It was one round piece of bread covered in cheese. Still sticking to the sharing plan, we cut it in half, and the cheese oozed onto the plate. It was a delicious starter. However, the garlic was slightly lacking. One thing about the restaurant that I really do like is that you can see the food being prepared and it being put in the ovens, as we discussed. This gives a real sense of freshness about it, knowing it has been made whilst you're waiting, not just reheated or served pre-made. After roughly 10 minutes from receiving our starter, we saw our mains being plated and brought over. My mum and I had the Lorraine pizza, which was prosciutto cotto ham, and olives and mushrooms. However, as we do not like olives, they were happy to leave them off. My first reaction when they put down the table was, wow, as it looked perfectly cooked and quite big in size. One problem was that there wasn't an awful lot of cheese on the pizza, but the toppings compensated as there was plenty of ham and mushrooms to keep us happy. We started eating it and it tasted absolutely amazing, apart from the amount of tomato on the base. When taking a bite, it was overpowering which, after eating half of it, got too much for us. So we both had to scrape some of it off. Apart from that, it was divine. <laughs> so they just got one pizza to share? They got one... T- Actually, yeah, they must have got one share. I don't know, maybe they, got two, they both got the same pizza. 
Oh, one go. got the starter, one got the dessert. I think there's a bit about the chocolate fudge cake. But um, I think Caitlin Moran went on a 12-tweet uh, rant about you know, how it's the perfect, not rant, you know, celebration of this tweet. It was the perfect antidote to the cynical restaurant reviewers of today. And in a way, I think Pizza Express is this weird constant that sits outside of all these changing tides within both restaurant and food culture and the rest of the world. I don't want to say blank canvas because that's a cliche, but it's, I think Pizza Express is what you bring to it. It doesn't really force anything upon you because it has stayed the same for so long and though it makes these little changes or oh we've got a new menu or we're going to start using stripes in our design now there's lots of stripes it all just merges into one despite them having individual designs they all kind of I mean it is what you make it isn't it a good pizza express and if you just want to pop in and have a quick pizza and go to the cinema then that's fine it doesn't have to be a monumental evening you don't have to have fun you can just have You dinner. don't really have to have anything. Yeah, and you don't really even have to have a reaction to the food. I don't think there's anything you could possibly say to them that would change their idea of the food because it has, it will outlive us all. It's probably already outlived a lot of people who it preceded. I mean, you only have to think of Amy Winehouse, for example, <laughs> or any young artist who might perform to it, you know, she was born after it was created and died long before it came to an end. So the number of lifetimes just in the last 53 years that probably already existed. I'm quite interested in the idea of it being this infinite trope, this recurring theme that outlasts all other things. So flash forward 150 years and we're now this kind of independent island sailing through the world and everyone's flying in cars and we're, you know, teleporting and we're cloning each other and it's chaos. But there's still, amidst all that violence and romance, war and love, there's still Pizza Express. Yeah. I mean, that would be a perfect point to tie up. But yes, it really <laughs> would. <laughs> to follow on from that, I think the... What do I see as the future of the high street? Will there be any restaurant chains that aren't Chinese-owned? I'm not sure. And I think there's a be- beautiful poetic symmetry to the fact that the first Pizza Express opened at the entrance of Chinatown. Now it's been taken into the 21st century with a cash value of 900 million. That's only, no, it's only a few hundred million off what Harrods was sold for. Well, who was Harrods sold to? I don't know, but it was 1.5 billion to Mohammed wow. um, Al-Fayed, which obviously connects in the basement of Harrods, one of my favorite locations in London. You've got the last cup, the glass that Diana drank from and hers and Dodie's wedding rings taken from the room or engagement rings in a weird shrine in the basement of Harrods which is there to this day if you keep going down on the escalator you'll see it Princess Diana's favourite restaurant of course De Mario Pizzeria on Gloucester Road which 
after her untimely death, got the name Princess Diana written into its marble steps going in to Mario Pizzeria, owned and run by Mario Molino, <gasps> the man who gave the original recipe to Mr. Peterborough himself. There's an interesting cyclical nature even to its the life it's had so far, recurring themes. I'm sure when its founder passes away, and I for one hope he never does, but you know, he's entering his ninetieth year, then we'll all ha- we'll all take a moment to reflect until then what can we do other than just have the same meal again and again and again and try and convince ourselves that as the old adage goes (laughs) doing anything again and again and again and expecting a different result is the definition of madness a big thanks to Fred always a pleasure editing's a chore you can find our show notes and previous episodes at talktheline.blog including the whole article that that girl wrote about pizza express in peterborough next week i'm talking to tracy thorne about walking in london you've been listening to talk the line i'm jen long this podcast was produced by paul bridgewater with original music by scenes it is a podcast from the line of best fit the uk's premier website for new music discovery we upload a new episode every friday please subscribe to get it straight to your iphone or android device you can follow us on social media and if you want to be really nice please leave us a review akin to that pizza express one see you next week